This is a HeadGum Podcast. This is why, this is why. Pop culture, politics, friendship, dating, work, parenting, news. This is why the podcast. Welcome to the This Is Why podcast. I am journalist, author, and comedy writer, Laura Lane. And I'm author and editor Angela Sparrow. We are the co-writers of the book, This Is Why You're Single. Every week we give best friend advice on topics including pop culture, news, friendship, dating, workplace dynamics, parenting, and whatever whatever else is on your mind. Yes. And this week's episode is called Dealing with Grief. We will be answering your listener questions, including a guy who wants to know if he should move for dating. And then we share some messages from one of our listeners. Then we're talking about what's in the news, including what celebrities are reading in quarantine. And then Costco won't sell their sheet cakes because of COVID. We're going to be talking about that. A total travesty. But first, Angela, before we get into death and dying and grief, what's going on in your week? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, We're trying to mix up this podcast. we got a lot of like emotional highs and lows. We're talking sheet cakes. And we're talking death. Yes. And in between, we have some listener questions that are not about death, but, you know, other struggles. Yeah. I had my friend text me today, actually, and he was like, how's the podcast being received? How's the rebrand being received? And I was like, I was like, bizarrely well. Like, I was really expecting, like, some hate mail from people that just wanted us to, like, shut up and talk about dating. But actually, when we talked about dating, we got, like, more shit talk mail, people being like... You haven't been dating in like a long time. Like, you know, I'm like, yeah, well, we talk about this is why you're single, not why we're <laughs> single. But whatever. But, I would, but I, I'm but, kidding. I'm kidding when I say that. But um, we would talk about like, oh, we're like, yeah, our, our podcast evolved. We talk about our relationship struggles, whether it's like marriage, whether it's your boyfriend, whether you're engaged, but whatever. We were like, we were excited to do a rebrand, but my friend asked how it's going. I'm like, I have not received one negative email about it, and I'm very confused. Yes, we've gotten lots of like everybody's enjoying it, but I will say that we mostly still get dating questions. <laughs> so. I know where are the questions? Like, don't people have questions about an annoying neighbor or like their friend is being like, you know, not being like, I don't know, bugging them, being a little bee. Or doesn't everybody have a shitty boss or a shitty coworker? Like, email us your questions. Where are these questions? I guess it's also a weird time in the world. So, yeah, email us about your anxiety, whatever. Email us about anything. But actually, this week's topic, dealing with grief, was recommended by one of our listeners, which we have been getting a lot of emails about topics to discuss, which I have found very helpful because I'm just like, great, cool. Now I don't have to think about what topic to do. We'll do it. We'll do it. Done. So um, uh, that's been helpful. But yeah, I'm like, where are the questions? Don't you guys want our BFF advice (laughs) on stuff? On some know. new topics. Well, you know, it's still – we're still fresh. People are still figuring out what they want to talk about. I guess. As are we, I guess. I had to go into the archives for this week's que- – well, for one of them, for the first question. Yeah. We'll get there. But anyways, your week. Anyways. Your week. What's going on? My week. Well, speaking of corona anxieties, uh, so I, I got out of the city for a bit last week. Um, you can I don't know if you can hear the traffic outside my window. I'm back now. I can't. Um, <laughs> and it was good. I was stressing out a lot about 
just, you know, going away somewhere. And uh, we took every precaution, but I was still really nervous. We, we loaded up our car for about two hours with groceries so we wouldn't have to go anywhere or leave the house that we were staying at. Um, and we were totally safe. Like we, we just went from the house to the beach every day. We were outside. It was great. The only thing that I didn't really factor in was when you do a road trip during a pandemic, you cannot drink any water because you really, it is not safe to stop and use a restroom. Well, no, what I, so Nick and I drove upstate yesterday and I had this exact problem in like an hour and I really had to pee. And we were like, I don't know, we're like considering whether we should like get a place upstate and move upstate. And um, I'm like, I'm not going to pee on somebody's, like in front of somebody's house, you know, that we're looking at. Well, so then I, I, made him, I made him stop and like I peed out. I like, yeah, I squatted in front of the car and on like some random nature. Well, that's what I kept saying. I was like, I would feel much safer just peeing on the side of the road than going to a rest stop or something. Yeah. Did uh, you do that? Did you just squat? So Papa squat. first of all, the <laughs> the trip I was told was going to be between five and a half, five and a half and six hours where we were going. And I was like, mm, I think I can hold it. Yeah. Or not hold it, like pee. And then I shouldn't have to go for that long. For six Turned hours? Be, that's a long time. But like, I was like, I don't, like, if I don't drink too much water, I think I'll be okay. Turns out the trip was nine hours. And once that set in, I started freaking the fuck out. Yeah. Um, and Ian and I kind of got into a fight about it because he was like, what did you think was going to happen? And I was like, I don't know. It's different between like intellectually knowing something and then viscerally feeling it in the moment. Um, and then – What beach were you going to? California? No. What beach in, is, in, is nine the, hours away? What? The Outer Banks. What's wrong with you? Why, the Outer are, Banks. There are closer beaches. I did not plan it. And uh, – I will so say, where yes. did you do? Where did you pee? It where was, did you poop? This beach, this beach was chosen because it's a very empty beach. Turns out that was true. It was very empty. I wish it wasn't nine hours away, but it was lovely. Um, what did you do? Where did you poop and pee? So, well, the way there, I I held it for the last like three hours. Uh, and Ian and I, he was like, okay, I think like if you go to a chain bathroom, it'll be better than a rest stop because it will, it will have more standards. Like if you go to like, no, I mean, uh, public restrooms are bad. What do they say? When you flush the toilet, they call it a plume of COVID can like, well, exactly. And also that's actually just forget COVID. It's disgusting to flush any bathroom, any public bathroom now, or really any toilet. You, a friend told me this in college actually. And it's funny that it's becoming validated now but like she was like you always want to put the top down on a toilet because it's disgusting like public restrooms do not have they don't have the lid tops no which is gross it's so gross angela it's so gross they don't have it so no matter what you like are walking into a public restroom and you're breathing in a plume of maybe not covid19 hopefully but you're breathing in a plume of feces I will say before this, I had I really did not care. I would go in any public restroom. Like it was like you gotta go, you gotta go. I'll wash my hands. I don't care. But now I'm like, okay, I'm not gonna die because I peed in a Burger King, right? Uh, so, but yeah, and, and that's exactly. So Ian was like, you'll wear your mask. You know, you'll bring your hand sanitizer. And I was like, everything is covered in feces. It is. It's the feces. It is. Uh, there's COVID in the feces. So There's I just a lot didn't go. Of COVID in the feces. 
And <laughs> why uh, didn't you get a diaper? I honestly, if I ever do something like this again, then it turns out. So apparently, you've gone diaper shopping with me. <laughs> when oh I, wow! When I had a yeah, when I had I'm, I had like my UTI problem, and I was really scared about my UTI that I would like leak in about in a in a bed. I'll be this happened one time. You're I going was, there. Good for you. You know what? I had a problem. I was I really was nervous. I had a really bad like UTI. I was having bad situation and, and and I was so scared that I was going to like pee in like what was it like a hotel bed that we were at something like that. So I was like luckily I did not need the diaper but I was just so scared. Well, my way home That was a low I, moment for me. I can't believe well, I just said that. I literally can't believe it. I am a sophisticated woman. And one time I made you shop for a diaper with me when I had a bad you know UTI what? and we were on a we were on a trip together. And it is a human function. But I'll always And you are a human. I'll always appreciate our friendship. I'll um that that was a special moment that I You didn't you didn't make me feel bad or stupid. You were no, like I like I this is in, not your fault. You were in like the same bed as you. You were like, this is not your fault. This is not your fault. It's not your fault. <laughs> you just had some crinkly noises when you were sleeping and you rolled over. That was so embarrassing. That was all though. That was I, so embarrassing. You know what? I'm glad you were talking about it. There's nothing to be ashamed of. But no. and I will tell you on the car ride home. But that I just shows up. my paranoia. I was like, I have a UTI and I'm buying diapers. But like, you know what? I wound up not having to go, but I brought a solo cup and baby wipes just in case. Good for you. Uh but yeah, I found out after that that apparently like lots of women are looking into like basically, basically like portable potty options. A lot of places are selling those like things where a woman can stand up and pee. It's like a little ramp. I have a portable <laughs> toilet for my two-year-old. Uh, I would use it. Honestly, that's not a bad idea next time we go on a road trip of just like bringing his portable toilet. Yeah. Just have a car with tinted windows. Yep. Um, oh man, tough times. Yeah, but you know, I made the best of it. Uh, but that's that was the highlight of my week. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Bodily functions. It's it's uh people don't talk about it enough. It's a taboo topic. It is. And now with corona, it's it's even worse. Yeah. But I survived. How's your week? Well, so I'm gonna go from um bodily functions to talking about diamonds. Beautiful. See, we do cover a spectrum of topics. We sure do. All right. So I love my engagement ring that Nick got, but the setting that I have. So I think anybody that's been listening to this podcast for a long time knows that I've already changed my engagement ring once. I did. I I thought the setting, it had like diamonds all around the band and I wanted something just like way more simple and like less like tiny little diamonds everywhere. So I got a really simple band, really thin. Love it. But it's so delicate and I'm a very like low maintenance jewelry person, Angela. So this setting that I have, which it is very stunning. It's very beautiful. It like the diamond gets really loose a lot. And then it has like these tiny little diamonds like around like kind of underneath it. And like every now, like one of them will fall out because they're just like so small and delicate. And they're like, oh yeah. So I showed it to this. Um, I had to like get this like whatever little tiny friendship bracelet fix and I like showed it to the lady and she was like oh yeah like beautiful ring but yeah that's definitely not a low maintenance setting it's like a delicate setting if you're like a low maintenance person that like wants to wear their ring in the pool like this is not the ring this is not the ring for you so Angela I'm like considering changing my engagement ring 
for a third time and having like a new jeweler put, put, you know, just take out my diamond and put it in a brand new setting. Am I like a psychopath to change (laughs) my engagement ring for the third time in five years? Or well, six years, well, whatever, whenever I got engaged. But can't can't you just get like a simple band to wear during like outdoorsy times? Yeah, yeah, I have that. Like I have like my wedding band that's just like a gold, like ha- it's like hammered gold. So like you cannot like if you beat it up, it like looks better because <laughs> right. it's like it's already hammered. So like more hammers, just like great, more more hammered gold. Wonderful. But like, I want to be able to wear my engagement ring and it's really annoying to, I don't know. I don't like taking it on, taking it off because I think like you, I'm terrified of losing it. So I just can't be that kind of person that's like, takes it off before I like, I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to yoga class right now, but back in the old days when I would go to a yoga class, but like even just going on a bike ride, you know, like, I don't know what if it like fell off on my bike ride and like, I'm not going anywhere right now. I'm in fucking quarantine. So like, I really don't need to wear it, but like, I like wearing it because it's my engagement ring, you know? And so you didn't answer the question. Do you think I'm a crazy lady? I don't think you're crazy. I am too sentimental of a person. I feel like I won't, I couldn't like mess around with my ring. Yeah. You know, but I also I, I get that it's a thing that people do. I also think it's interesting though how like Corona times has affected like style and fashion in this way that like everybody just wants to be very simple and minimalist. Yeah, totally. Like, even scaling down your ring, like I feel like I'm like I don't carry a purse anymore. No, <laughs> I like I yeah I don't really wear any jewelry. It's uh it's interesting. Yeah, I know. I feel like actually from the first time I got my ring. Which we like kind of designed together. So I would be more sentimental about it. But like, it's not like Nick, he's an artist, but it's not like he was using like his artistry. He like did not care. He was like, whatever you want. Like, like I picked out the band. Like he didn't, he doesn't care. And um, so I don't feel sentimental about that, but I feel kind of like, I don't know, just like bad or weird. But every time I've scaled it down now, now for the third time, I've like, I've made it more simple and now it'll be like even more simple. Also, mine's an oval, and so ovals usually go, like, north-south, you know, like the long uh-huh. part. And I think I'm going to do an east-west setting. Oh. What are your thoughts on that? It's not great for, like, the elongation of your fingers, you know? Like, you would want the oval to go up and down, I guess, to make your fingers look long. But, like, I also don't give a shit. Like, I just want it to look cool. And I feel like a east-west setting is a little more modern. Thoughts? Yes. Thoughts? Will it be comfortable? Will it, like… I feel like can you will it go it, over the sides of your oh, finger? Yeah, that would suck if it did. I don't think it will, but I should double check on that. Cuz then if you, you know, for bike riding purposes and stuff, it might actually be worse. But it sounds cool. Sounds very modern, which yeah, I like. Yeah. Modern and then just like simple, like get rid of all these little tiny diamonds underneath and like get rid of the delicacy, like just give me something that's like extremely low maintenance. That's what I want in my life. I want low maintenance everything. Like I'm in my house all the time. I want my appliances to be low maintenance. I want my bike to be low. I want, I don't want to have to do like maintenance on anything anymore. Yeah. I don't want to do maintenance on my ring every three months. Like fuck that. (laughs) Fuck that. So this, do you think this will be the last time? I hope so, but I am going to keep this. Yeah, actually, yes, it will, because I'm going to keep this setting like they're just going to pop it out. So like if in 10, 15 years I'm ever feeling like nostalgic for my like more like delicate, simple setting, 
I think it would be super easy to just pop it back into this. So I'll pretty much have like, I'll just keep this setting, you know, and then take, take a picture of it before you do it. So yeah, have it. I know. So anyways, I don't know. That's why I'm like, what else am I going to do with my time? <laughs> <laughs> just play around with your ring. Why not? Play around with my ring. All right, guys. That's what's going on in our week. Now we're going to jump into the mailbox. Angela, what do we have in the mailbox this week? Um, well, first up, we have a question from our listener who is anonymous. Oh, he says, call me experience. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Okay, when I <laughs> said earlier in the podcast how I was – I had to dip into the archives. This is me dipping into the archives. Okay, this okay. this question would no not typically make the show. I'm gonna say that before. Oh well, that's gonna make experience feel bad. It's a great well, question, experience. No, he should feel bad. He should structure a better email. But whatever, it's fine. I wanna. I'm a. You 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 all be the judge. Yes. Uh, okay, I don't want to make right. him feel bad. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Okay. Okay. So he says, call me experience. I'm 36 in Wyoming, male. Dating sites push me to Colorado. I looked at some numbers and I will probably just be the fun uncle forever. Maybe I should try a city before I give up on dating. My question is, should I move? Should I accept my role as single? I love Wyoming. I suppose not everyone needs someone, but sex is fun. Our football stadium is the third largest city in the state. What does that have to do with anything? I don't know. I guess in showing how like small it is where he comes from i don't know uh no this part's kind of third largest city right but i guess like if a football stadium is the largest city then Mm. it's it's like very rural okay i guess is the point all right uh and then he says complaints saw doesn't have an l i literally don't know what that means do you know what that means well, so do you think – I can't tell if he's criticizing the way we speak, if he's like complaints about the podcast or if he's saying complaints about – Oh, complaints about the podcast. Saw doesn't have a L. And then he's, he says important isn't pronounced important. Oh, so now he's just <laughs> making fun of us. Do you, I don't know. I can't really tell. So I'm going to choose to not get offended. But then he goes – I don't think he's making fun of us. I mean, maybe he is because then he goes back to talking about himself. So that would be weird to throw in two unclear like jabs at us, but then he but then he ends it by saying he ends it on I only earn 20,000 a year because my art sells at costs. Thanks. Do you think he's make complaints, but what does saw doesn't have a l mean? I know. I mean, the important thing I get, he says important isn't in, announced important. I so get I get that. people. But how do you get an l into saw? Saul? Like S-A-W. He says S-A-W doesn't have an L. Do you think he's do you Saul? think he's do you think he's complaining about the way people talk in Wyoming? I don't know. Is that a stereotype of, of I don't know. Or, like, or, if, or maybe of Colorado. Maybe that's why he doesn't want to go to Colorado. <laughs> I don't know. Is I that, don't know. Is that like an accent thing? Like in Wyoming, do they say like important, important? I don't know. I can't do I don't know what a Wyoming <laughs> accent's like. Yeah, um, I don't know. This is why um, it wouldn't normally make the podcast very unclear. Un- a lot of unclear stuff going on here. But 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 interesting in its uh, in clarity. <laughs> Lots to to pick at. Okay. Lots to think you about. You only here. earn twenty thousand a year, so that limits where you can move. Just being honest, that like you know you can't move to like a big city. You're 
that would, would be rough. Yeah. It would be difficult to make it in San Francisco or New York or Los Angeles, really any major city. So I would stay where rent is cheap and there are many beautiful places in America where you can definitely get by on. Yeah. I mean, that's still it's still hard to stretch. But I don't know if you're you're making art. Maybe you're also prior to covid working at a bodega or a barista job to make a little side cash. Right. Yeah. I I mean, usually if if you're doing something artistic, you kind of got to have a day job unless you have a revenue stream coming in somewhere else. Yeah, absolutely. uh, But I would say, okay, so he says that he loves Wyoming. So I wouldn't, I would never tell somebody to move just for dating. Where does he say he loves Wyoming? He says, should I accept oh, I my love role Wyoming. as single? I love Wyoming. Oh, so okay. if you if you love where you live, I don't think that uh, the dating pool is a good enough reason to move. I mean, unless you're in some crazy-ass small town where literally it's like the only people left are like the 15 people you went to high school with, you know? But yeah, I don't think that's have... not Wyoming. That's not Wyoming. Wyoming's bigger well, than that, you know? Maybe where he's from. I don't know. But, like, I think if you're going to move, you need a a reason aside from dating. Like, maybe you have a a job opportunity or you like the art scene somewhere else. Like, I like like just for the purpose of dating. I like that suggestion, Angela. Yeah, because if you move just for dating, then I feel like it's actually going to wind up being counterproductive because you're going to be so focused on, like, I moved here. I did this big, huge thing for this reason. uh, And then, like, you're going to kind of be like desperate to find someone to justify this big move. So I feel like you need like another reason if you're going to move. Uh, but I mean, maybe, maybe you could like start talking to people that are in Colorado and figure out if you like, like people and then maybe you could s- go visit and if you like it there and you have a reason to be there then you can consider moving but that's the cool thing about online dating is you can like talk to people far away and like get a vibe first before you move your whole life over there yeah I don't know can you get a vibe you think from just online dating well it depends on the person depends on your conversation skills I mean I've heard amazing (laughs) things about Denver Denver Colorado yes Denver sounds Cool. I've known people that have lived there and they love it. They say everybody's super chill. It's just, I don't know, cool snow scene. <laughs> lots of weed. Lots, <laughs> lots of, of weed and snow. Lots of weed and snow. It seems chill. Um, Yeah. I mean, if you're just actually, you, I mean, yeah, like Angela said, you say I, you love Wyoming. So if you're itching to try something new, I mean, if you can make it work monetarily and you're not going to be stressed out and crazy struggling and you have a plan. I think it'd be hard to move. I don't think it would be worth it to move right now in quarantine because right. that's a whole other layer. Because like people are just flat out scared of other people that they see on the streets because anybody could be diseased. So I would not move now. That doesn't seem smart, but maybe you could consider it in a year and just, you know, if, if you make art and you can do that anywhere, then I would, you know, give yourself like, all right, I'm going to try a new place for a year. If I don't like it, I always move back, you know? And that's what I, I always tell Nick. Nick, I would move anywhere for one year. Like, I really would. Yeah. So, uh, all right. What else we got in the mailbox? Okay. The next question is from our listener, Lisa. Oh, she's just and- sharing. She's sharing a conversation, actually. Sorry. This one's not a question. I should have yeah. written that. Uh, 
so Lisa, she told a guy that she met online that she would do a social, socially distanced meetup and he accused her of being too germaphobic. So I thought we would do our famous role playing. Yeah. Okay. Um, why don't you be Lisa? And so this kind of starts, this screenshot starts mid-conversation. Right. So I guess they were trying to make a plan. Uh, and she says, unless you want to meet somewhere and eat outside six feet apart. Ha, 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 Lazy. Nah. I'm going to pass. I don't hear that good. That's too germaphobic for me. Eating outside, LOL? No, the six foot apart. Uh, and she says, it's not really being German phobic, which her phone autocorrected germaphobic to German phobic, which, which is, funny. is very funny. Uh, she says, it's not really being germaphobic. I'm just trying to be safe. I work at a daycare with a lot of little ones, and my daughter has asthma. I understand. Uh, yeah. This so she wrote that, idiot. and all she wrote was like, <laughs> jerk. And I was like, agreed. Agreed. Um, yeah. If somebody. <sighs> I love how he's like, I don't hear too good. So if we sit six feet apart, I can't hear you. <laughs> That's so funny. It's like, all right. Uh, yeah. Six feet is actually not. not that far. It's really not. It's really not. If you look at the signs, you're like, mm, that doesn't seem far enough. Yeah. Uh, I've heard actually. It's supposed not to be to 10. rain on anyone's parade. Yeah, it's supposed to be more than six. I know. Let's not, let's not go crazy until let's we have to. Let's not stress ourselves out even more. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, no great loss here, Lisa. He sounds like a, a dimwit. Totally. Uh, if any of you listeners want your questions answered, email us. It can be about dating. That's fine. We're still down to answer your dating questions. I know we've expanded what we talk about, but we'll answer those. We still like getting them. Answer your questions about motherhood, your neighbor, friendship, your boss, anything. Send them to us. You can email us at contact at thisiswhythepodcast.com, family dynamics, whatever. Please be concise, a paragraph or less if you want it on the show. You can also find all of our contact info right on our website, thisiswhythepodcast.com. Next up, we're going to be diving into this week's topic. This week's topic is... Dealing with grief. Sorry, we're trying to do the Zoom thing, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I didn't hear my sound cue. So this was a topic recommended by our listener, Alyssa, who wrote in, I just wanted to email saying I would love to hear an episode about grief and or grief counseling. It's something everyone goes through but doesn't really want to talk about. Just a thought. Thanks for making my week better every week. So thank you, Alyssa. I thought this was a fantastic suggestion because we have not talked about this on the show. And this is episode 264. Uh, grief and death are both taboo topics. It seems it's talked about even less than other taboo topics like sexuality and money. We are very obviously not counselors. So any advice that we're going to be giving today really just comes from our own personal experience that we're going to be sharing. If you are struggling, we recommend seeing a therapist. We both have benefited from that when we've grieved or experience difficult times. So Angela, I thought we would start this week by each sharing some either recent losses or losses that we've experienced and then discussing what we found helpful. And then we're yeah. going to be sharing some some tips that we scoured the internets from and uh, some tips from, ex from actual experts. So first I want to say everybody deals with grief differently. Different cultures and religions have various traditions to help people grieve, but everybody needs something different. 
I I found it really interesting when I was researching this. I I was I I I didn't end up putting it in our rundown to talk about, but I was researching how different cultures deal with grief, and there's a lot of um, a lot of different religions that like specify a way to mourn, and it kind of makes me when I was reading about it, it makes me you know I sometimes wish that I was a more religious person because I. I think people find a lot of comfort and help when you kind of have a certain set of, of, you know, guidance to, to help when you're going through, through difficult times. Uh, yeah, I agree. And then I also, I wish I was a religious person because I feel like very often people will try and comfort you by being like, you know, they're in a better place or you're in my prayers, whatever. And when you're not a religious person, which I'm, not it's really not very comforting and it's and then not, I also, I'm like I'm like I don't know my dad believes when you're dead you're dead so like <laughs> it's and I also struggle sometimes with knowing what to say to other people when they're grieving because I was raised you know saying like you know they're in heaven or whatever but like I don't believe that so like I'll say like you're in my thoughts or you know I think that like yeah instead of, I I do that too like instead of saying like sending I'm praying for you or sending prayers I'll often like message them you know I'm sending love and sending thoughts because like I I I mean and I do think that I actually do quote-unquote pray but it just feels weird to use that like I I I do a lot where I like look up at the sky talking to like nothingness you know and I go through my list of like things I'm grateful for and like please oh please like just protect my family I go through yeah like like I do a lot of visualizations where I picture like a white light around like my mother and my father and my brother and my sister and myself and Rilo and Nick and Nick's family. And I picture like a white light protecting them and like healing them from any illness or sickness that they're going through. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that that's kind of like some type of prayer, but I, I don't really have like a word for it. It's like more of like a meditative thing that I do. Yeah. I, my family, I always joke that my parents like for fun, just go to cemeteries. Like every time I talk to them, they're like, Oh, we're at the cemetery. Are you serious? Yeah, because they just go to visit, like, all their family is, like, buried near each other. So they just, like, grave hop. And I'm like, okay, whatever makes you happy. But for me, when we do that, I don't feel connected to the person. Like, I – like, when we go to see my grandma, like, I only go with them. Like, for me, like, I think about my grandma. I have pictures of her. I don't need to go to her grave. Yeah. Uh, But, like, when we go, I'm like, we should – like, my parents will say a prayer and I'm like, what would be better to me is like, let's tell stories about her while yes. we're here. Let's like eat food that she would like or like watch a movie that she likes. You know, like I want to like, because like that keeps a person's memory alive, which is why, by the way, I love the movie Coco, the Disney film Coco, because it's all about remembering oh, people and yeah. keeping their memory alive with the Afrenas and stuff. Um, but uh, is Coco the one with the guitar? Yes. I yes, loved that about movie. Dia de los Muertos. I loved that movie yeah. so much. You got to show Rilo Coco oh. when he's older. Uh, that movie had me bawling. I watched it on yeah. the airplane. Bad idea. Oh, it's, <laughs> Everyone, it's a good airplane movie. I was yeah. like sitting in my seat just like crying like hysterically. Um, uh, yeah. Ian cries whenever he hears that song. Yeah. From it. I, yeah, I really relate to that. Like I, I will find myself sometimes like talking to my grandmother and, um, and like I don't actually I don't think she can hear me, but I don't know. Yeah, everybody deals yeah with grief differently, and yeah, some religions they have you know like this 
in Judaism, you sit Shiva for, I think, mm-hmm. seven days, but then there's like a 40-day period. I don't want to get it wrong because I was, I was reading it this morning and now I don't, I don't want to get it all wrong, all the religions. But, but uh, yeah, some have like 30 days, 40 days, and, and then you do certain like memorials after the year. And it was interesting because I don't think like grief should be like ranked in terms of like who was quote unquote closest. But a lot of religions do say that like if your spouse dies, you grieve for like a longer period of time. Or if a parent dies, you like can grieve, you grieve like the whole year. So it, you know, it's like built into the tradition that if it was somebody uh, closer to you, it's like a longer period of grief. And um, I don't know, in a way, it's kind of nice to just know you have that space because I feel like other people in your life sometimes um, like they'll just like assume you're over it or they don't want to bring it up because they don't want to upset you if it's like not on your mind. Um, oh, what was I? I was reading something about about grief and it was somebody saying how like in Victorian times, I hope I hope I'm getting this correct, but they would wear black and it would kind of signal like this is a person that's like in mourning. So people would be like sensitive and uh and it was like an essay and they were saying, you know, when I was on my way to my mother's funeral as I like walked on the streets and I walked on the subway, people were just like passing me by as if like get out of my way, you know, and like just had no idea the like dark grief that I was in because there was no visual clothing or like almost like symbol to wear to say like this is a grieving person and some people wouldn't want something like that you know like some kind of letter or like pin to wear to say like I'm in grief but like in a way it would be nice you'd be I think humans would show extra sensitivity and humanity knowing that somebody is in a period of grief and mourning versus like you know, go, like, come on, you're like taking, you know, in the, out of my way or like cutting them off on the subway or how people, you you know, right. I don't know. Yeah. I, in a way, it's like kind of helpful to have certain, um, certain signifiers. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. I feel like in our culture, especially like it's, yeah, you're just expected to like get back to work, like get your head in the game. Like we don't really give people the space no. and kindness that they need. Not at all not in the least like yeah not at all like not at all like there's so many like it's like at least a week where you literally are supposed to do nothing people bring you food and take care of you and then it was like the 30 days and 40 days and then there's like certain check-ins where you like do memorials throughout the year and then like yeah. Well, yeah, if you just Google like how different religions, if you're interested in reading more about it, maybe you're not a religious person, but if you're just interested in getting some ideas for how to deal with grief, I think if you just Google how different religions deal with grief, it I I found it very interesting. But anyways, yeah. I digress. I I want to hear we're each going to share stories of how of losses that we've experienced and how it's helped us and then we'll get a little bit more into like yeah, tips that we read about. Well, so I'm pretty lucky, I would say, in that I haven't experienced too many major losses uh, too early on. The biggest loss for me was my grandma, like I mentioned before. And like, it's funny because I am definitely an emotional person. I'm a big crier. I cry about everything. But anytime or most times that I uh, have experienced loss, like I don't cry. Like I think my body kind of goes into shock a little bit. And then I spend a lot of time thinking like, why am I not crying? Like, feel kind of numb like this is like weird and wrong and then like with my with my grandma I like didn't cry the whole time and the last day of her wake when we like closed her coffin I finally started crying and it was like 
I wasn't thinking about it. It just happened. It was like my body took over. And I was thinking about how like they say like when you give birth, like when it's time for it to happen, like your body knows what to do and it like takes over. And it's like grief is kind of like that too, I think. Like, so that's why you need to not not pressure yourself to like do what you think is right or the right way to mourn because like your body just kind of knows what to do and will take that's care interesting. of you emotionally. Yeah, that's or at least that was my that's been my experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but and like so that that's been a pattern for me. And it, in thinking about that, I was thinking about how I don't know if you you probably remember this because I was do. Like, jarring the 9-11 thing <laughs> but so I, I saw your little note about you when you cried next to Leah. yeah we were at Argo Tea, and I'll let you tell the story so yeah so we were having a late night working on the book at Argo Tea, and this little high schooler came up to us with her with, mom with the mom yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, and she was doing a report on 9-11 she probably had not even been born uh when 9-11 <laughs> happened and uh you know, totally. Like, everybody, we were in a good mood. She was in a good mood. Uh, you know, uh, I think. Then, I think. What did she? What was the prompt? It was like, do you have any personal? It was literally just like, what was your memory of that day? And right. I did not expect to start crying. But you, over a, you do, you do end up doing cries at like. I mean, if that's nine eleven. It's very. It makes sense why. Cry. But of but course. but then I remember that one time you cried where you just put your feet flat on the ground in acting class. <laughs> Catches me by surprise all the time. <laughs> okay, but sorry, go ahead. So so, but, so you, yeah, but you was, had a personal a personal story. I did, but and you know that, it's a story that I maybe I haven't talked about, uh, or I had probably hadn't told it in a long time. So and and maybe you know it was like over a decade later, and I think like being older and like having the perspective of like time and experience, it just like hit me different. And I just started crying and I definitely scared the shit out of this little girl because she was not expecting that. Uh, I hope she wrote a great report on it. She's like, I'm never going to be a journalist after this. Um, But yeah, it was like, uh, but I guess the lesson there was uh, talking about traumatic things and sad things in your life uh there isn't a expiration date on that and as you revisit them throughout your life you'll feel differently uh you might be better equipped to process them as time goes on yeah yeah it's funny when it comes to crying because yeah people expect you to be i don't know i pick you picture people crying at a funeral and some people just might not be there at that time and then crying can hit you unexpected like at unexpected times I was weirdly last night I was reading I have this little journal where I write Rilo like a couple sentences every single day for five years you do it and so I was when you get to the day and there's it's like you'll see what what you had written last year on that same day and so this past week was oh I was reading about when I was in the hospital and I was like scared about this like deadly infection and I was just reading about being away from him and and I all of a sudden I just started bawling and I was like what I thought that was like a year ago I thought I'm like alive and I'm fine but yeah crying crying is strange it is strange but it feels good it's good to get it out right it does yeah I always do feel well not always but I often feel better after I let out a good cry um, so I'm going to share two experiences of grief. So one was very recent. Um, 
feel like I'm just, I just need to like talk about this very, very flat so that I don't lose it on the podcast. But, um, my friend Allie died of COVID-19 and that was fairly recent. It was a total shock. She was only 29 and was the most joyful, talented, kind person that I know, uh, we we worked together at People Magazine, and when I found out that she she had died, and it was shortly after I'd heard she was doing better, I was completely distraught. I thought, how could this happen to, to somebody that, like, didn't have a bad bone in their body? Like, the world felt so cruel. I, I was just paralyzed, and all I wanted to do was talk to other people that knew Allie, but that was, like, right at the beginning of, like, flatten the curve, flatten the curve. Like, you were not allowed out of the house. Um, and so, so I, I just like started just calling like a couple friends that I had worked with and like, I was like, do you, are you okay to talk to me? Like, I just need, let's just talk about her. And then I ended up organizing a zoom with a friend with, and, and I was just so struck by how many people wanted to, ended up wanting to be a part of it because I want to be, I wanted to be so sensitive to the fact that everybody deals with grief differently. And so I didn't want to make anybody feel like they needed to be a part of this like zoom memorial if they didn't want to and that wasn't part of their grieving process they didn't have to talk if they didn't want to but if they did they could share a story or I I think I wrote like you can share a poem or a a note literally anything you want or nothing at all it it's whatever is part of your grieving process and um so it ended up being like two dozen of our coworkers. I tried to make it really organized, which felt very counterintuitive to the way you would think something like that would be. But because Zoom is just such a shitty forum for something like this, it kind of needed to be organized. And we all took turns sharing. Everybody was crying. It was, I at least found it just incredibly therapeutic and helpful. Some people just were there and listening. Um, her parents ended up joining and asking me to record it so that they could go back and listen to the stories later because there was a lot of stories that they had not heard about Allie and I think they felt like they like learned a new side of their daughter um wow. but yeah I was not when I first started organizing it I didn't know her parents were going to be on there and that was really both incredibly difficult to to see them grieving and on there and crying and they were still very much in shock and also I felt like in a way weirdly giving some kind of like grief gift of these stories um and yeah it was I found it very healing to have some some sense of community to discuss our grief and loss otherwise I was just mourning in my bedroom with like Nick didn't understand he didn't know her that you know um and yeah, and yeah. I, I still I still think of her all the time, almost every day. Uh, she was like the biggest Taylor Swift fan. And when this like surprise album came out, it kind of like all rushed back. I'm like, oh, I just wish I could text Allie. She would be freaking out about this like surprise album. Um, so yeah, for me, it was just what was the biggest part of healing was talking to people about her and sharing stories. I think that's been the hardest thing about coronavirus is it keeps you away from people when you want to be near them the most. Absolutely. And community is such an important part, I think, of the grieving process. 
Absolutely. Like, yeah. People can't do it. You can't do it. It's like not safe. You don't want to lose another life. So yeah, it's awful. It's awful. People don't get to adequately grieve. Um, the second, my, the second, uh, grief that I dealt with that I've talked about on the podcast before was my miscarriage. And this was a very difficult loss. I think Angela, and it was very different than losing a friend or losing a grandmother because I felt like I was the only one experiencing the grief. My, you know, Nick didn't struggle the way that I did. He didn't feel the connection because it wasn't like his body. He didn't feel his body changing. He didn't instantly connect with this. As soon as I found out I was pregnant, he wasn't like my child. And so um, I felt like I was just experiencing grief alone. So what helped me in that situation was I, I wrote poetry to the baby. I journaled to the baby. I talked to the baby and, and I went to a support group for pregnancy loss. Um, and luckily, even though Nick wasn't experiencing grief the way that I was, he was very supportive and wanted to help me in any way that he could. So he went with me to the support group and there were people that had lost children much, much farther along than I did but at the beginning they said something to the effect of like grief is not quantified we don't rank grief based on situation it's all equally mourned those were not the words they used but that was like the sentiment and that gave me a lot of comfort that I was not being judged and like I was validated in my sadness um things that did not help and that I think do not help in grief are things like everything's meant to be like fuck that when like my 29 year old perfect friend that was like on the that was just so beloved and like the light of her parents life and like never said a mean thing about a soul was like the all-star at work with like that was not meant to be there's just no justice so fuck that don't ever say that to anybody about anything um when it came to miscarriages like you know oh they're very frequent it's not a big deal and like people might dispute my comparison here but you would never say that to somebody whose mother died you would never say like everybody's mom dies yeah every single person in the world's mom will eventually like yeah everybody's gonna lose their mom you would never fucking say that to somebody and so like just because something happens to everyone or it happens a lot does not diminish anybody's grief and just because some people don't get sad about something and, and other people are like deeply affected does not invalidate somebody's pain so don't so don't say that um what did help is just keeping it simple I think like I am so sorry I'm here to talk um do you you know I'm if you don't want to talk that's absolutely fine but if you do do you want to tell me about your friend I would love to like know about her tell me stories about her tell me stories about your grandmother tell me stories about your parent um people like god forbid like lose child or miss you know use their names use the names of the people Mm -hmm. that died um uh, and just know there's like no right way to heal. Like it, it's awful that I've known so many people have lost like uh, children far along in pregnancy. Some people uh, after the birth, like I hope I we should probably put like a trigger warning on this episode. But um, you know, some people named them and took photos. Others did not want to see the child and um, didn't even want to know the sex. And it was like such a lesson in me that don't ever judge how people mourn or what they need to heal. Everyone deals with things so differently and do not ever tell somebody how to mourn. There truly is no right way. Um, I mean like when my mother's mom died, she went to mediums for like a year or two straight and that's what she needed. Uh, and then the last thing I want to say before we 
get into experts is death doulas are becoming increasingly popular. And I know it like might sound like a funny, funny, like a parody of birth doula, but, but it's like, I've looked into it and like they provide care and support to those transitioning through the dying process. So if you're not a religious person and you feel like you maybe don't have that sense of closure community, it might be something to look into. I don't personally know anybody that's used one, but I've been hearing more and more about them. And I think it's great that there is like this niche of um, opening up of people that are helping people that maybe they are religious or maybe they're not, but it's somebody that can kind of provide support. So um, yeah, sorry, that was a lot. That was a lot that I just threw out there, but. No, that's all great. And I think, yeah, talking to somebody, like whether it's a death doula or a therapist or, you know, a friend, but usually a a professional is good too, is Mm -hmm. very good advice. Um, So some other advice from Mental Health America, they went over what um, what to expect when you're experiencing a death. So they said, when a death takes place, you may experience a wide range of emotions, even when the death is expected. Many people report feeling an initial stage of numbness after first learning of a death, but there is no real order to the grieving process. So emotions that you might experience, not unusual to feel denial, disbelief, confusion, shock, sadness, yearning, anger, humiliation, despair, and even guilt. Um, those are all totally normal and common reactions to loss. So you may not be prepared for the intensity and durations, duration of your emotions or how swiftly your moods may change. You may even begin to doubt the stability of your mental health, but be assured that these feelings are healthy and appropriate and you will, um, and you will come to terms with your loss eventually. Just remember that it takes time to fully absorb the impact of a major loss. I think for me, that's why I talked about like how I I think like with every loss I've experienced, I've definitely started out sort of numb and it's taken me a lot like a long time to feel different emotions about different losses. Um, So that's normal. Good to know. Uh, You never stop missing your loved one, but the pain will ease over time and uh, allows you to go on with your life. So for some tips on coping, uh, seek out caring people. Like we said, find relatives and friends who can understand your feelings of loss. Uh, joining a support group is great, especially for something like losing a baby. I think Pete, there's only a, a only somebody who's gone through that exact experience, I think, is somebody that, that can relate and really give good advice. So uh, yeah, express your feelings. Tell others how you're feeling. Um, take care of your health. I think sometimes people neglect their health. They'll start eating kind of crappier food because it's comfort food, but then that makes you not feel great. So maintain regular contact with your family uh, and your physician. Be sure to eat well and get plenty of rest. Uh, hydrate. Always hydrate. Um, Which except- is not easy when you're grieving, but no. at, least, at least just don't, yeah, don't don't forget about your yeah, don't forget about yourself and tell others when you're not doing well. Also, like if you just need a break at work, just say, I'm sorry, I'm having a tough day, you know, from my loss last week, a few months ago, last year. I'm just having a tough day. It's the anniversary of someone's death. I, I'm having a tough day. I really just need some time. And like, you know, say it if you feel comfortable too. Yeah. Uh, yes, Totally. Um, also accept that life is for the living. It takes effort to begin to live again in the present and not dwell on the past. 
postpone major life changes. That is good advice. Try and hold off on uh, making changes like moving, remarrying, changing jobs, or deciding to have another child. Um, just give yourself time to adjust. You don't want to uh, – it's it's a silly comparison, but it's like how they say, you know, don't don't get like a haircut after a breakup. Because yeah, it's not- funny though because I do – I just talked to a friend who she was like – she just had her second baby, but she was saying how um, – she got pregnant with her first baby right after her husband lost his father and that like looking forward to the baby is like kind of what helped him like get out of that dark grief. So I don't know. This is all like take this with a grain of salt and just know that there's exceptions to all of these rules, you know? Totally. I I mean, I think like, I think what happens, what can be dangerous sometimes, like, like when my mom's mom passed away uh, last year, I feel like we leaned very heavily on the idea of my wedding being a light at the end of the tunnel. Mm. And then when that got taken away, it was like not great because we had been leaning too heavily on that other thing. Right, right, right. So I think, yeah, you just have to – it's a balance, you know. Don't make it your – every. don't put all your eggs in one grief basket. Um, Be patient. It can take months or even years to absorb a major loss and accept your changed life. Um, Seek out help when necessary. If your grief seems like too much to bear, you should seek professional assistance. You can uh, also, uh, outside of dealing with your own grief, helping others grieve sometimes can be really challenging. So some tips on that. Uh, Share the sorrow. Allow them or even encourage them to talk about their feelings of loss and share memories of the deceased. Also, like, I find it helpful to, I mean, I don't know, like, like if, if I'm going, when I was going through a tough time, like, someone's like, well, you know, tell, let me know what you need, which I do appreciate. And I think that's, there's nothing wrong with saying, let me know what you need, but nobody's going to ask, like, can you drop by some flowers and some banana bread? <laughs> you know, like nobody's going to say that, you know, or like I need food because like you could just order seamless. Like nobody's going to say that. So I think almost um, uh, offering up specific things that you want to offer, like, hey, can you let me know an address of where I can send flowers or can you let me know where you're accepting donations? And I would love to drop off some food. Um, uh, can you let me know like, if there's a good day or any like dietary restrictions, I would like to drop some food off this week. And then if they really like legit don't want food, then they'll just write back and say like, actually, I appreciate that. But like, please no food, you know? And like, but don't ask a lot of information from that. Like they'll be like, send the address. Like, like, it's like, it's complicated, but I would say to suggest like more specifics because nobody's going to say like, can you send me like a heartfelt note and some flowers and can you make me a lasagna? Like, like they're not actually going to say that. I think what they would say, I think is, you know, actually I really do need to talk is maybe somebody, a response somebody would actually say. But so I think suggesting those things, like I would like to bring food. I would like to like deliver flowers. Are you going to be home? Um, yeah, but, and try to keep, you know, and if they don't write you back, don't obviously take it personally. They might be getting like yeah. an overabundance of, of texts. But but yeah, offer food. Off you know the obvious. Send a note. You know, send a, send a nice card. Like offer food, offer flowers, and like donations. Yeah, yeah. Food is. It's so funny how food is such like a comfort thing in in those times. Like one because you really don't want to cook in the midst no. of all that. And, and you don't like, even want to be thinking about food, you know? No. You don't want so, to think about ordering. My uh, When my grandma, my 
other grandma passed away more recently, uh, my friends just were like, uh, don't worry about breakfast. We're sending breakfast. And they sent everything. I love sent, that. They like, didn't even ask Coffee you and yeah. tea and bagels and whatever. And it was just like – I was like, I've never cried over bagels before. <laughs> Cry because you sent bagels. Because it just like – it made my family's morning so easy. Yes. Uh, that's morning what it is. Morning as in like AM, not morning oh, M-O-U-R-N. Yes, 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 of course. But that, that, that's, that's all it is. It's, it's not that they can't go get food or can't go to the grocery store. It's that like they shouldn't have to think about literally anything else, you know? Yeah. And I was like, do you want me to watch your child while you go? If that's you're sitting, a good one. If you're sitting Shiva, like I offered that. Um, so, um, yeah. And yeah. And this advice, you know, offer practical help. Babysitting, cooking, running errands are all ways to help someone in the midst of grieving. And I would think, say, like, offer those specifics because I think people sometimes feel they feel uncomfortable asking. Like, you say, let me know if I can do anything, but like, do you actually want to watch my child for a few hours while I just like kind of like go in the bedroom and cry? Like, do you want to go take my child for a walk and like to the park for a few hours while I just like kind of don't think about anything else and be sad you know and yeah I think offer that up say I would like to come over and take your kid to the park for a few hours so you could just have a little alone time and be sad if that's something you would like and I'm bringing some food you know yeah something else that I think is great is like with shivas or wakes or whatever people are stuck for like days uh having to like not just like grieve their loved one, but also like do the whole like small talk with people that they haven't seen in a long time and like greeting people. And it's like a lot, very draining. So uh, seeing like a friendly face, that's somebody that you don't need to be super formal with is always a comfort. So if you can physically show up for people and be there, I think that's great. And like get them some, get them to go take some fresh air with you. Like just like take a walk is like wonderful. Also because we're still in quarantine, like in Judaism, people bring over a shit ton of food for the Shiva. If I'm remembering correctly, it's been, thank God, a long time um, since I've been to a Shiva or sat Shiva. Uh, But like hopefully, you know, people are not doing those right now. And so you might just want to drop off food in front of their door and say like you don't we don't have to have contact because they don't want to do the small talk thing they're sad you know and you probably haven't seen them in a few months so just say just say like hey I am dropping off food and then text I just dropped it off just so they know to bring it inside and like like open your door open your door you don't need to say hi to me like it's there if you want to talk I'm here all right I think anything else you want to add before we move on to lighter fare (laughs) no i think we covered it that was good (sighs) all right i need a break after the emotional i know luckily it's good that we picked light stories for the end of the show yes we sure did now it is time for the news all right that was an emotional load what have you been reading in the news give me some light give me some lightness I've been reading about sheet cake. Love it. <laughs> exactly. So, who doesn't love a good sheet cake? Well, Costco's sheet cake <laughs> is apparently like beloved, uh, which I do feel like everybody I know did have a Costco sheet cake did, as, did your mom, as a birthday cake at one point in their lives. Did your mom get us a sheet cake from Costco for our This Is Why Your Single book launch party? I mean, did it have like the logo on it or something? She's very because like Costco, I believe you don't remember put, the epic I don't cake remember. your mom got us. What I don't Angela? Remember. That but cake that is, was 
was literally like the best thing ever. It had our book cover on it and she got two giant sheet cakes with our book cover on it. How do you not remember? That's like the, okay. Other than our like 10 foot balloons that spelled out, this is why our single that costs like most of our book advance. The sheet cake was the best part of the party. You know what? I feel like, did we not get pictures of the sheet cake? Because my memory pretty much is only what we got pictures of. Everything else is sort of a blur. I guarantee I have some pictures or our mothers have pictures of the sheet cake. She definitely does. Well, if my mom is listening, the cakes were great. They were great. They're much appreciated. But I will say uh, they look cool. I don't think they always taste amazing, the Costco cakes, but people are obsessed with them. People say they taste so fresh, so fluffy, like... It's so it's really funny. People are all about that sheet cake life. I guess so. I'm just, you know what? I'm a bad judge. I'm not really a big cake fan. I know that's controversial. But so yeah, Costco that's very is very controversial. <laughs> I'm more of a cupcake brownie gal. Okay. Or cookie. Okay. I love feel a cookie. You there. I just feel don't love there. cake. Don't love cake. Um, I don't like mousse, so that eliminates a lot of cakes for me. I don't like or icing. I'm, I'm not big on like the what's the kind of frosting that's on the outside of cakes? What do you call that? The light icing, well, yeah, it's called it's got like a the font fondant. Oh, fondant, fondant. Well, <laughs> I think that's like, but that's also just like it looks good, but that it's, it tastes like, like plastic rocks. nasty ass shit. That's why for my wedding I had what's called a naked cake. You it had has very good cake at your it's wedding. It's good. It's basically like the cupcake of cakes if you like cupcakes. Yeah. Um, it's like a naked cake, so it's basically like a cake with only the good part. And then none of the nasty like fondant. And honestly, I think a naked cake looks cool. Yeah. It was, you know, I don't, that's actually, I specifically never like wedding cake. So when I do like someone's wedding cake, I remember it. Okay. And yours was one of them. Yeah. I mean, you can't I, go wrong with Milk Bar. Milk Bar is my cake. Yeah. I think they're delivering maybe to other states. I don't know. Check it. Try. Wait, if, for uh, your wedding, if, what were you going to do? Donuts. We were gonna do donuts. Oh, that's cute. I know. That's In addition cute. to cake, because we're like, you know, other people like cake, so we're gonna have cake and no. donuts. Okay, well, whatever. Now I can because tell well, you our this. venue, our venue provided whatever. Oh, uh, your venue. Provided maybe it'll happen cake? one day. We'll see. Ha ha ha. Okay, can I can I tell you what one thing I did for my wedding? Which just throwing this out, still do the cake if you want, but yes. um, our wedding was gonna do like desserts also. And I was like, trust me, my cake's going to be the shit. Nobody's going to want your <laughs> lemon cakes. So I like, I asked them for like a trade. I was like, instead of doing like those desserts that come with whatever plan, I'm like, can you do like a midnight snack instead? So I think ah. they let us like put some of like that quote unquote, like money towards like a midnight snack, which everybody loves, like some, like an, some nice fries that go around or whatever we had. That is great. Like after the cake. All of a sudden you go from like you think you're done and it's sweet and then all of a sudden there's a surprise of saltiness. Yes, I do. I remember that and Some I love savory, that. savory salty. So I don't know. Just well, throwing that like, out there. In like eight years when I'm able to have a wedding, I'll keep that in <laughs> mind. Keep it in mind. You might as well ask the venue. See if they would like be up for doing like a late night snack after cake or yeah. after donuts. Well, it won't. If we do do a cake, it's not going to be from Costco. They discontinued their half sheet cakes, which actually was very responsible of them because the whole idea was that they said a large cake is made for parties. So they're only making small cakes for small gatherings. Um, I mean, that's smart because if they shouldn't be – yeah, they're basically saying like we don't want to encourage you to have a big gathering. And I like well, that. People are freaking the fuck out. Uh 
they uh, have launched a change.org campaign called Costco Bring Back the Half Sheet Cake. Um, Honestly, uh, these activists need to be fucking talking about Breonna Taylor and not fucking Costco sheet cakes. They, is, these people drive – I like – I have no patience. Very kind of you to refer to them as activists. Uh, it got 601 signatures, 601 people very angry about the cake. Uh, they said they're delicious. I don't know if they're fresh or if Costco uses superior ingredients, but they're delicious. That was a quote. Um, but Costco I says, guarantee Costco does not use superior ingredients. Just going out on a limb. Uh, yeah, I don't know. But uh, I do like – so um, New York Mag wrote about this and uh, the author was Rachel Sugar. Perfect name for a cake article. Oh my god, that is so funny. uh, She did. She wrote. One might argue that it is never wrong to have big hunks of frozen cake on hand, uh, not because you're entertaining, but precisely because you are not. So she was saying, bring back the sheet cakes, and you can freeze them for your own purposes. But the Costco, they're they're standing firm. They're saying currently we are not selling them in any of our locations. So I went to a restaurant the other night with Nick. Um, and like the outdoor dining, of course, I will not go right. indoors. You will not catch me indoors anywhere. Um, and we did like the outdoor dining and it was, uh, this Mexican restaurant we like, and the restaurant said they gave us ceviche and I was like, oh, does, uh, I think they forgot the chips that go with the ceviche and they go, oh, we're not doing chips. That's not till like a later phase in New York because chips are finger food for sharing. So we're not allowed to give tortilla chips with your ceviche and I was like yeah that's truly absurd that it's like a different phase when it's just like that's crazy like I'm with my husband who I make out with it's like well finger, also why, finger why foods like they do... I, I'm having a fucking pizza and I'm like we're both putting our forks in the fucking ceviche and also if anything of any of this food chips would be the safest because I I mean I only touch my chip I'm pretty well, careful about that. I get why you wouldn't want everyone reaching into the same bowl, but why can't we just do little individual bowls for everybody? Okay. Can some everybody hire genius Angela Sparrow over <laughs> here? Because that makes so much sense. Like, however many people are at the table, you give each person their a little bowl. A little bowl. I honestly, because in a sea of bad news, one of the most depressing bits of news that I read recently was that, like, the bread basket might not come back. The bread basket might be dead oh, in restaurants. No. Okay, but you know what? Like, I... Why am I alive? Why am I even alive if you're going <laughs> to stop giving me a bread basket? Okay, I actually do feel wasteful when there's a bread basket. But what I do like is when the fancy waiter comes around with the tray yes, of different the tongs. rolls. With the tongs and says, which roll would you like? And then I'm always the asshole that's like, I'll do the whole wheat and the pretzel bread. And he's like, <laughs> he asks for one. Pick one. And I'm like, nope. Well, I would you... like I would like the the garlic. And the <laughs> poppy like, seed. Let, let me save you a trip. I'm let me save to. you a trip. I'll have one of each. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I really hope that we can at least have a workaround with the individual bowls, something. Yeah. Because tortilla Just, chips and bread, like, that's what I need to keep going. Honestly, it's fine. I would actually prefer to get rid of the bread bowl as long as the guy comes around with the tongs. Because, Angela, it's always so awkward where it's like, who's going to reach for the bread bowl first? You know, and like I obviously want the bread as soon as it is on the center of the table. But if the guy comes around and puts it on your plate, I can just start eating it. I don't have to worry about social etiquette of like, am I going to be the first one grabbing the bread from the bread bowl? You know? Right. All right. You want to know what I've been reading? 
Yes. What are you reading about? <laughs> New York Times. The celebrity bookshelf detective is back. Apparently, this is like a feature, I would guess you could call it, that they've been doing. So That's fun. This is by Gal Beckerman with Noor Kasim. Noor Kasim helped her out. So what they're doing is, you know, all these late night shows, pretty much every show, they're all like doing the Zoom. And so nothing looks better on the Zoom, apparently, than being in front of your bookshelf. So when any of the celebrities on these late night shows in front of the bookshelf, the little sleuths at the New York Times, you know, do some spy work on the bookshelf and like see what celebrities are reading. Also, well, you know, all these celebrities, one, have strategically placed these books behind them and two, probably haven't even read them. It's like some interior designer that's like, this book looks good. Here you go. One thousand <laughs> percent. These were put there by an interior designer and these people have never read this shit. But I'm going to tell you what's on their bookshelf anyway. Tom Hanks okay. has the presidential recordings of Lyndon B. Johnson, volumes one through three, transcripts of 700 hours of telephone conversations of Johnson. Now, unless Tom Hanks is going to be playing Lyndon B. Johnson in a movie, which I have not seen that on his IMDb, I don't think he's reading this book. But I'd, uh, I'd love to I, – I do think Tom Hanks, of any of these celebrities – well, there's a couple that are probably good readers, but – um. Anyways, I just don't think he's reading 700 hours of telephone conversations. It just it doesn't really sound too riveting to me to begin with. But, you know, I liked oh, – oh, maybe. Maybe Tom Hanks is uh, a real smart guy. St. Mark's is Dead by Ada Calhoun. It's a close-up look at the history of the idiosyncratic New York City street where both Emma Goldman and the Beastie Boys partied. It's also a meditation – on all that changes in urban spaces and all that stays the same. Now, th that's like a classic-ish yeah, book. Yeah, that is very much a book I would read. And thank you, Tom Hanks, for the recommendation because I hadn't heard of it. Same. Uh, the History of Man's Space Flight by David Barker. A very complete, geeky space history. So, for a NASA geek, I'm going to say that that one and Lyndon B. Johnson were by the interior designers. Okay, Although Tom Hanks was in Apollo... Oh, Whatever. right. Maybe yeah. it was like a gift to him from somebody yeah. for being in the movie. All right. Uh, Regina King, uh, Waiting to Exhale by Terry McMillan. It's a 1992 hit about the friendship of four women in their 30s. Now, this I actually don't think an interior designer would put. I like buy that as her reading that. Yeah, that's a fun summer read. Tupac Shakur Legacy by Jamal Joseph, curated by a family friend. It's an interactive biography. Um, yeah, I see... I, I buy that too. And yeah. Barack Like Me by David Allen Greer. It's a memoir by the comedian best known for his work um, on In Living Color. And it Once again, a, a book that I didn't know about that I would totally read. So Same. thank you, Regina King. Same. Okay. This is where it's going to get good. I can't wait to hear what you think of Gwyneth Paltrow's <laughs> uh, uh. bookshelf. The French Riviera, Living Well Was the Best Revenge by Javier Girard. Glamorous photos of the creative rich and famous like Picasso and Coco Chanel. Now that, that's just like, I buy her buying that and I buy an interior yes. designer. Uh, Louis, Gwyneth Paltrow can't help but be Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> Louis Vuitton, Art, Fashion, and Architecture. Um, from Zaha Hadid to David Chappelle to Annie Leibovitz. I mean, same. I see her owning that book. And then... Uh, Defining decadence, the legacy of Gustav Klimt. So. All of these are very decadent. All right. Moving on to Sean Penn. Can Art Change the World by J.R., a retrospective of the French street artist. I see Sean Penn buying that because he like still thinks he's like 
22. And he thinks that he can make the movie that will change the world. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Julian Schnabel by Julian Schnabel. Sure. My Life by Bill Clinton, a post-presidential memoir. That is, feels like an unexpected choice for Sean Penn. but Yeah, it kind of does. All right. Last, last on this list is Charlemagne the God. Um, Sweat the Technique, Revelations on Creativity from the Lyrical Genius by Rakim. It's a writing guide from the legendary rapper to how to get the lyrics flowing. I love that. Like a very cool how-to book. Yeah. Um, Ra by Lamont Ugod Hawkins, one of the founding members of the Wu-Tang Clan, tells the story of his rise from the streets of Brownsville in New York City to the world's biggest stages. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. I, I buy that on his bookshelf. The Autobiography of Malcolm X by Malcolm X and Alex Haley. It's the the classic about the radicalization of Malcolm Little and how he turned himself into one of the most powerful thinkers on black identity in the 20th century. Great. Going to add that to my reading list too. Yeah. Uh, Civil War Battlefields by David T. Gilbert. Maps and archival photos of more than 30 Civil War battlefields. Hmm. Like Charlemagne the God. Yeah. <laughs> That's a very like well-rounded bookshelf. Um, yes, the one that I don't buy is I don't buy I don't buy Tom Hanks. Really, I know. Well, like I just don't I, think I, I think they were gifts, right? Or like I, maybe he like wanted to make a movie about Lyndon B. Johnson and it never worked out because oh, that's a if good not seven hundred hours. Come on, I just can't wrap. I mean, like listen, and maybe I, love I just Tom have Hanks. a pea brain, but I just can't wrap my head around somebody wanting to read all that. Agreed. Well, guys, that's what they're reading. And that's it for this week's This Is Why podcast. Check out our book. If you want to do some reading, add it to your bookshelves. Uh, you can you can get our book, This Is Why You're Single, and my new book, Cinderella on the Glass Ceiling and Other Feminist Fairy Tales. Please, if you want to support us and you like the podcast, please support our books. They're available on Amazon, Barnes Noble, and we encourage you to get them from your local indie bookstores. Yes, and some other wonderful ways to support the show. Get yourself something. Get hooked up with discounts from all of our sponsors. For a full list of sponsors and the codes, check out our podcast page on thisiswhythepodcast.com. They'll only know that you were referred by us if you use the code, so make sure you use the code. We are also on social, so you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at thisiswhypodcast. Please like and subscribe on iTunes. And thank you for listening. Tune in next week for a whole new show. Bye. Bye. This is why, this is why Pop culture, politics, friendship, dating, work, parenting, news This is why The podcast That was a HeadGum Podcast